0: Welcome to episode 167 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob, and we are full swing into the offseason. I couldn't be more excited. We have so much stuff to talk about, and who knows how long we're going to have this stuff to talk about, but we just got another bomb this morning as we're recording this podcast. We've got
1: lots of stuff over the past week. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Mark. And yes, as you did mention, lots have been happening this week. The GM meetings, of course, happened as well. And uh, we're starting to get a little bit more of a better idea, I should say, pretty much about how the market's going to shape up and early names, obviously, for each team. And all the rumors are starting to kick in now. So definitely a good start to the off season, And uh, we're here to talk about it today. Jacob, how are you?
2: I am. I'm attempting to enjoy this calm before the storm because I know once, to, once rumors start, it's just going to be bomb after bomb on Twitter. But you know what? It's been a. It was. I will say I'm missing, or I'm not missing baseball as much as I was when the playoffs were on because I was like, "Oh, the Blue Jays should be here." But now it's just like, "All right, 2021's over. Let's let's just get some guys signed and let's let's move on to next year."
0: I'm super excited to see what direction this team takes. Like everything that we've said and talked about, what needs they have, who they should be signing, that kind of thing. I'm just super excited to see what direction they take and how this team shapes up over the next year. And in the in the offseason. But let's start with the bomb that I mentioned that we got this morning. The biggest news we've had over the last couple of days, it's that Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon are among players who are expected to sign before the December 1st lockout begins, or the lockout that we're anticipating. That's been reported by Jeff Passon this morning. Um, this comes as a surprise to me, at least. I don't know about you guys, but I was not expecting anyone to sign. Before the December 1st deadline or any big names, obviously we have some names coming off the market already. Andrew Heaney is a guy we're going to talk about. But I was not expecting Marcus Simeon, Corey Seeger, the guys at the top of the list of free agents to come off the market this early. But it looks like over the next two to three weeks, we're probably going to get a lot of developments and they're going to lock up their contracts before that CBA expires before the the labor negotiations begin, although we know they're already in progress. But personally, I was surprised by this, and I think it might cause the Blue Jays and other teams to up the ante and get involved with these markets super quickly. I know they're already involved in the markets, but be focused on signing these guys earlier rather than later.
2: Yeah, I mean, usually we don't see big name free agents sign early. I mean, well, I mean, if you can consider him at the time, Robbie Ray signed very early, but... Usually the big names kind of wait, and there seems to always be that situation where like one guy signs, and then everyone else signs once the 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 baseline, I guess, for contracts has been set. But when you say December first, that's in like two weeks. So if you're the Blue Jays, you're really any team that's interested in these guys. You, I mean, I'm sure you've been in talks with them with either of those big names, but you're gonna need to basically go full throttle into pursuing them if you if you desperately want them. So it would definitely was a surprise to me I don't I don't think that I was expecting Simeon to sign anytime soon and I think I don't remember when it was it was a I, th- I think it was a couple years ago where Bryce Harper signed like two weeks before the season in the middle of spring training I'm not expecting anything like that but usually the big names or the guys that are expecting a big contract wait until way later in spring training or, or not spring training usually but the off season. so it should be interesting to see where he signs i to be completely honest, I, I don't think that Marcus Simeon's coming back to the Blue Jays. I think there's other streams that that money could be used for. I'm not sure if... I mean, I'm sure they're going to pursue him, but I personally, I don't think it's overly likely unless they offer him at least $30 million a season, which if you do that, then you got to offer... Or you have other th- names that you need to sign. And even, you know, I th- I'm sure we'll get into later, there are a lot of guys on this team that won a lot of awards that are definitely going to deserve a pay raise. So I'm, I'm just at this point, I think I'm just passively walking or watching the off season transpire. And I think that's the best way you can just take in all the information you can and just pray to God that your team makes a few good moves because the Blue Jays are, I think a good team as of right now without any of those guys that they are potentially going to lose, but they're going to need to, to sign a few of them unless they want to be as good because at the end of the day without Simeon I still think the team is good but without some of the other guys it's going to be a lot tougher
1: yeah I'm not gonna lie uh, I'm a little surprised by this or kind of this report coming out this morning uh, for that reason alone too like you you feel like obviously the minor signings are not going to be as impacted with the CBA and that's why we saw Andrew Heaney sign early obviously <clears throat> and uh, for Marcus Simeon now and guys who are going to have long-term deals you know, with the uncertainty of what the next CBA holds, you're kind of surprised that this is actually going to get done uh, before December 1st. Now, who knows how true it is, and you can take it with a grain of salt, obviously. Maybe it's a tactic that they're starting to use. There's a whole uh, whack of scenarios that they could be using that for, but, um, you know, or maybe it is true, and maybe they want to get this over and done with now, but I I really don't know uh, what to think of it, but uh, when it comes to the Jays, not really much for me changes. I do agree with Jacob. I think that It's going to be tough to keep Simeon, and I, I actually have the same to feel about. I feel the same about Robbie Ray as well. So we know that uh, pretty much there's a lot of teams looking at infielders, um, and there, there is some teams also that are looking at Simeon as a second baseman, other than the Jays, and that's also the Seattle Mariners because that report came out a few days ago. But we obviously know that Simeon wants to play shortstop every day. We know that he prefers the West Coast, so. When it comes to the dollar amount, if the dollar amount is similar, you feel like Simeon, and I'm talking about like a Jays offer compared to a Western team, you feel you feel like the the Western team has the edge uh, over the Jays, unless the Jays you know overpay to some extent. But we do know that they're keeping in touch, and uh, that's really all you can kind of ask for at this point. And um, you know, for <clears throat> for uh, Marcus Simeon, Scott Boris, obviously his new super agent has called called him a few days ago. Uh, the Simeon conductor. I don't know if you guys saw that at the winter meetings, but uh, Scott Boris did his annual rounds and we all know what he does every year. He has so much uh, things to say where everyone has to hear what he has to say. So he brought up uh, Marcus Simeon and like that. And of course uh, I'm sure the Jays are doing everything they can to somewhat keep in touch and, you know, somewhat try and keep Marcus Simeon because obviously everyone would like to have him back. And I think all three of us would agree with that. So you know, if, if this is the case and if it, there is a resolution before December 1st, obviously we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, throughout the month. But, you know, again, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. And uh, I can see it from both sides. I can see him waiting until there's a new CBA. And uh, that's kind of the expected outcome for me. And I'm sure a lot of other players are feeling the same way. But if this is true, it'll be interesting. And the same goes for Corey Seeger as well, because obviously their markets have accelerated or they've been that hot off the. You know, to start off the offseason, that this is probably a possibility. So it just shows the heavy interest that these two players have throughout the league. And for the J standpoint, there is a lot of competition out there, and I'm sure they know that. So out of their respect, everyone and pretty much every Jays UFA, and that also includes Steven Matz, everyone is testing the market, rightfully so. They've earned that right, but it just shows how valuable all these players are really in free agency. So, you know, it's just, um, it's not an over-exaggeration when you say it because of all the teams that are interested. And um, for December 1 to pretty much approach within the next few weeks, we could have a resolution by then. But the one thing we do know, and especially with Simeon and Seeger, is that they both are lined up to get paid. And of course, Scott Boris, we all know that all of his clients... Uh, get a lot of money so it's not nothing less than expected for that to happen so we will see what happens with that and um we know that the Jays are in touch and I'm sure that's what you know they're trying their best obviously but it's going to be tough and um you know December 1st is a key day obviously so we will see what happens with that yeah Scott Boris always has the best quotes I mean you mentioned the simian
0: conductor um he also said that uh there's uh, rotten eggs in the Easter basket or something. I didn't totally follow the logic of that one as it has to do with the CBA. Um, but one of my favorites, I think, was when he said, talent is a steak, and I don't really care what time dinner is. <laughs> Again, I don't fo- totally follow the logic there, Scott, but I like the, uh, the effort. And then he was talking about Max Scherzer, and he said teams that are pursuing a championship, they're certainly not pursuing the minimum. They're going directly to the max the Max being Max Scherzer, um, there was just a host of phenomenal quotes from Scott Boris, as there always is at the winter meetings and as the, at the GM meetings. But yeah, I I think if we're looking at this rumor for what it is, it's pretty obvious that it's agents and players trying to get their money before all the uncertainty kicks in. And that's basically what Jeff Passan says. It's Scott Boris and super agents like him saying, look, you can either wait until February when all this CBA stuff is cleared up and all this uncertainty is gone, but it's going to be a mad dash to the finish line with all these free agents being signed at once, and it's going to be chaotic, it's going to be a lot of uncertainty, or you can pay up right now and avoid all of that you can pay up and know what you're going to get next year. You can plan it out. You don't have any of that uncertainty. You just got to be the, you know, present the financial backing to get these players. And there's a fair argument to be made there. There's also a fair argument to be said for waiting it out and getting the uh the best players that you can in February and who knows how it will turn out for the Blue Jays, but I do think it's interesting that we're seeing that the the different approach that players and teams are taking to interest this early in the offseason I do want to say when it comes to Marcus Simeon and the Seattle Mariners they've been uh, two groups that have been linked for a while the Mariners have always been you know kind of rattled off as a possibility for them to sign Marcus Simeon it does make sense for them I think is it JP Crawford they have at shortstop or is he an outfielder I can't remember well you're watching us live on the podcast try to figure it out but yeah I don't if, I, if memory serves, he's a shortstop, and they're going, they would have to move Simeon to second base. Yeah, okay. So we do have confirmation, he plays shortstop and third base, they would probably move Simeon to second base if he signed with them. So, you know, yes, it's on the West Coast, but also, he has to stick at second base, so why wouldn't he stick with the Blue Jays? So, I don't know what will happen, I think it's interesting that the Mariners are interested in him. Um, We haven't actually seen that much from the Blue Jays in terms of them trying to re-sign him. But as we know from last offseason, we didn't really hear that much about George Springer. Like, obviously he was in the conversation, but it all just kind of happened at once. So, um, you know, take all the rumors with a grain of salt. We're going to be saying that over the next couple months, but it's exciting to see. Um, Another big development from this week was kind of just the overwhelming sense that Alejandro Kirk is going to be traded, or at least... How much people want him to be traded And I don't say that because people want to get rid of him But only because He's an expendable part of the Blue Jays system They have depth at catching And there's kind of a lack Of catching on the free agent And trade market right now The Blue Jays have a surplus where the market has a deficit And the Blue Jays can capitalize On that by trading Alejandro Kirk To another team Um, Namely that team may be The Seattle Mariners according to John Morosi The Blue Jays have checked with the Mariners on their starting pitchers, we know they have a lot of young starting pitchers who are controllable assets that the Blue Jays might want to get. Um, that includes Pablo Lopez, um, Eliezer Hernandez. Um, those are the most likely guys to trade. They also have uh, Sandy Alcantara, or Alcantara, however you want to say it. Um, that's another young controllable arm on the, the Marlins that could potentially fit the Blue Jays' competitive schedule. And Rosie says, Toronto's Alejandro Kirk is likely to be part of talks due to the emergence of Jays catching prospect Gabriel Moreno. So basically, Kirk is an unneeded part of this team. If you think about Moreno's development, perhaps he comes up partway through next season. Perhaps the Blue Jays wait till 2023, although I doubt it. But they don't need Alejandro Kirk long-term. They don't need, even if you want to get rid of Danny Jansen, they don't need one of these guys long-term. So, instead, you can trade Alejandro Kirk. So, what are you guys' thoughts on moving Alejandro Kirk, especially for a young starting pitcher, like they could with the Mariners, or excuse me, the Marlins?
2: Well, as long as the Blue Jays don't make a move that is not very good, like if they get ripped off, then it's a terrible trade, which I, I don't expect, but... I like Alejandro Kirk, but I also understand that if you can improve your team by getting rid of a surplus and and like kind of exchanging a deficit, because you got to think the Blue Jays have pitching, but still I would consider it a weakness of the team. And that's just not necessarily to say it's bad. It's just the other parts of the team are like significantly better, but I'm not against trading Kirk. And the thing is, is I've heard quite a few rumors about Gurriel, about Biggio uh maybe not like official twitter rumors just discussion or uh, a little bit of both kind of basically i think all three of those have a very likely chance of being traded to some degree whether it's for uh, jose ramirez whether it's for a pitcher like at this point i think the blue jays are are focused on getting guys now it's it's not like it was last off season or really the, the previous two off seasons uh where it was signed some big name free agents kind of get that baseline talent in like within the system now it's more we have the the core to win a world series we just need to add on those few weaknesses and well how do you do that well if you're if you have a surplus of catchers or infielders or outfielders or basically if you have a surplus you can off some of those guys get and you know get a pitcher get anything and so at at that point i'm not against any of that the one thing i will say is i don't want to See any type of blockbusters where you acquire a guy that, yeah, could help you, but you don't need it. You know, we've heard a few first baseman rumors. Well, Blue Jays don't need Freddie Freeman or any of these other guys because they have a first baseman. You don't want to see any of that. Like, at this point, third baseman maybe is a deficit of the team. I'm still somewhat confident in what they have, but if you want to do something like that, you want to get a starting pitcher with the assumption that you don't have Robbie Ray. Next season or really for the next couple seasons, then it's it's definitely something that should be considered. Because as much as I want Robbie Ray to come back, as much as I think it's likely I'd, or possible, I don't know if it's overly likely. I think he would want to come back. But, I mean, at some point, you have to plan for the, the timeline, I guess, where he doesn't come back to your roster. And how do you do that? Well, you acquire good pitchers. And it's hard to replace the eventual Cy Young winner. But you got to somewhat do it and and, you know, you got to realize that yeah, your roster It was really good with him But it will will not be what it was without him and you probably will have a hole in your rotation without him so If you can trade biggio or kirk, I mean biggio too, but if you can trade kirk Get something that that helps your team now, which is what you need then honestly i'm all for it And if people are against it I would like to know what their counters are because at some point trades are going to happen there're going to be people that are not with this team that were with the team the last couple seasons there's a guy a few guys heading into arbitration heading into free agency within the next couple seasons so i would just like to know what do those people say because at some point guys are going to need to get traded and you're going to need to there're going to be some changes to the roster
1: there is going to be changes to the roster and the one thing that we do know is regardless of who stays and who leaves the Jays are going to have other things up their sleeve and they're going to do everything they can to make this team better. But I think entering the offseason, too, and I haven't heard as much, or I haven't heard as much about, um, or I haven't seen as much about, you know, Bijgio and all of them as of now in terms of the infield. The only thing I think a lot of fans have kind of known about for a while is the catching. And I think that is a massive trade chip that they will use. And I think um, based on that report yesterday as well, this doesn't just go for that uh, a potential Marlins deal. This goes for any sort of deal that the Jays make, anything they do make is likely to involve a catcher. And uh, credit to them of how much they've built up their catching depth. They can use that as a strength. And of course, Gabriel Moreno is, you know, emergence is one of the top prospects um, in the Jays system is a reason for that. And that's why I'm pretty sure he is pretty much deemed untouchable, which is good. You don't want him being moved, but for somebody like, you know, Alejandro Kirk, even someone like Reese McGuire potentially, but this uh, lies more on Kirk. That is that's an asset that you're gonna trade. And um if, if if you go down that road and if you pretty much upgrade starting pitching or, you know, maybe it's something else like potentially a Jose Ramirez deal, we know that there's obviously a possibility with that as well. So that is what they're gonna use to their advantage. And another thing I look at it too is the late emergence, I guess, from Danny Jansen in the second half of the season, kind of how he played well, I'm not saying Jansen's the one being shot, but what I'm saying is Jansen playing well uh, from what he did when he came off the injured list for that last time, and even but before that, when he came off the injured list, he was playing well the first time, is his late kind of surgence in playing well is also a reason why the Jays probably feel a little bit more comfortable doing this, because if they can rely on him next year, they can rely on maybe, you know, one of those two guys that they keep. And then of course there's Moreno coming up from the minor leagues, who's pretty much a few years away or maybe a year, maybe less than that. Who knows? Because with this team and kind of developing prospects and promoting them through the minor leagues after seeing what they did with Alec Manoa last year, anything's on the table. And I think that is, um, I think you guys can agree with that for sure. So and again, for the, the Miami uh, rumors, there's that's not the only rumors that have come out so far. We know that, you know, for example, the Cincinnati Reds are shopping Luis Castillo, it looks like, or at least they're listening to offers. And we know that the Oakland Athletics are pretty much about to start a fire sale and pretty much dump a lot of, um, I guess, just money in terms of their luxury tax and whatnot. So there's a lot of guys available from Oakland as well. I'm sure Sean Mania is going to be available. Uh, there's Chris Bassett, maybe Frankie Montas. So there's a lot of names as well that could be available through there as well well and the one thing too is the Jays aren't just looking at free agency obviously they're looking at everything and I think uh, Ross Atkins even confirmed that at the GM meetings he he did say that everything is on the table which is expected so I mean no matter what a trade looks like no matter what the team is uh, throughout the winter I think the one thing we can almost have a pretty good understanding about is that it's going to likely involve the catcher and that obviously could be somebody like Alejandro Kirk and, um, you know, the the one thing, too, I think a lot of people didn't realize throughout the winter meetings, and who knows if this has any impact on a potential trade. I'm not saying it does, but um, there are a lot of people who didn't realize and kind of notice that Lourdes Gurriel's contract somewhat changed, and I can see you guys smiling over there, so maybe you guys were going to potentially bring that up as well. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying they're shopping him, but that also has an impact potentially on their plans and their future plans. So I think it's after 2023, his contract is up, not after 2024. That is a year less of control. And um, I mean, everything's on the table. You never know. But that I thought that was something that to kind of keep in mind is something important that not a lot of people know about. It kind of came under the radar and kind of people kind of began to figure that out at the winter meetings.
0: Yeah, it's bonkers that we were just like wrong for years about Lordis Gurriel Jr.'s service time. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. And it wasn't, like, us. It wasn't just fans misunderstanding it. Like Everyone. Projection systems had it wrong. Like, baseball reference had it wrong. Service time websites had it wrong. Everyone had it wrong, and I don't know how that happened, and it is bonkers. But I want to ask you guys, is Gabriel Marino untouchable for the Blue Jays? Like, there's been talks about who the Blue Jays might have to give up in a potential deal for someone like Jose Ramirez. Let's paint the hypothetical situation that the Blue Jays are trading for Jose Ramirez. Let's say they send Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to Cleveland. Do they also send Gabriel Moreno, or is he untouchable? Does the deal, if Cleveland demands Gabriel Moreno, is at the end of discussions?
2: I don't think that he's untouchable, but I think it's very unlikely that he's traded. Now, the thing is, I think that you would uh, if you're the blue jays you're you're going to definitely try and trade one of your your start your starting three catchers first probably kirk if they demand anybody else then uh, you know you can deal with that but i don't think that Moreno is getting traded unless to be completely honest i don't think he's going to get traded even if cleveland demands him for jose ramirez i think hypothetically if you're about to make like the the biggest trade of your franchise history and it's you know maybe i don't know they're going to look at but you know you get my point like if they're trying to trade for like a a-list starting pitcher and the the other team says Moreno has to be part of that deal then I think he would be traded but if it's a trade like this I think it's very very unlikely but I still wouldn't consider him untouchable
1: I consider him untouchable I think there's a higher chance that somebody like Nate Pearson is moved but I think when it comes to Moreno especially if you're going to go down that road and shop somebody like Kirk I think, I think he's got to be untouchable. I, I, I don't see any possibility that the Jays move him if they decide to go down this road, and that's why if they are, he's got to stay untouchable for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think the Blue Jays are moving him. Like Maybe hypothetically he's not untouchable, but I don't think they're going to get a deal that's good enough for them to move what is now their number one prospect and one of the, I don't know, top, what would you say, 20 prospects in baseball probably. I don't know what the exact number is. On Moreno anymore. But um, he's risen so much in the Blue Jays system. And in the eyes of so many scouts. And people are saying he's the best catching prospect in baseball. He's passed Adley of I think he's in the Orioles system for the best catcher catching prospect in baseball. So I don't think the Blue Jays are moving on that without a significant incentive. If it was maybe all Cleveland is asking for is Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, then maybe you make that move. But I think by and large, they're not going to make that type of move without significant, significant incentives. So I think he's sticking around with the Blue Jays for a while, and I do think he's going to make his debut next season. So it'll be interesting to watch, and we're already starting the Gabriel Moreno watch, but he's tearing it up in the AFL, and uh, hopefully that continues. Hopefully he continues to open some eyes and the Blue Jays can continue to ride his development into the majors, and. He's everything we hope for, but um, some of the other news from this week, we got some minor news that um, the Blue Jays attended Justin Verlander's showcase. This is expected. Everyone always attends showcases. It was 15 to 20 teams there. Not all of them are going to be in on Justin Verlander. There's going to be some teams that didn't attend that are going to be in on Justin Verlander. He might even accept his qualifying offer with Houston. Who knows? I doubt it because this is kind of his last big payday that he can get, but... Um, I don't know. I, I don't read much into this. You know, everyone always gets excited. They see Justin Verlander, they see the Blue Jays, they see those two names together and they get excited, but it's a showcase. Everyone shows up to showcases. It means nothing about the Blue Jays' interest in him. It just means they sent a scout or two. So I don't know if you guys see it differently, if you guys think the Blue Jays are actually going to be in on Justin Verlander, but until I hear something that the Blue Jays are showing interest in Verlander... I'm not reading any anything into their attendance at this showcase
2: well I'll tell you what there is nearly a guarantee that they're gonna show interest in verlander but that's because they show interest in everybody I mean I th- I think we even jokingly mentioned last off season it was like oh, who we should instead of saying who the blue Jays are interested in we should say who they're not because that list is ridiculously lower or ridiculously smaller and I mean for good reason they signed some good guys last season but yeah I, I really don't expect this, or I did expect this, I don't expect much to be taken out of this, I'm a little bit surprised not all the teams went to see him, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really hurt to just watch him throw whatever, like 30 pitches or whatever it was, but one thing that would be funny, funny in a good way, but also kind of not too good way, but maybe Justin Verlander comes to the Blue Jays and gets a no-hitter for them instead of against them, because that was, you know, that was a pretty funny moment a couple years ago, but Yeah, I don't really think that it's overly likely that he comes to the team. I mean, obviously you're going to show interest, but I think that maybe if somebody like Robbie Ray doesn't sign, you don't get Steven Matz, which I'm actually kind of surprised he rejected all these offers from the team. But it's, you know, if you don't have any of those guys, then you got to start looking and I think Verlander might be at the top of that option list for him.
1: Yeah, like, I I don't really know either how much to take away from it. Obviously, it's good to see Verlander that's going to get back in the game next year after Tommy John surgery at his age. It'll be impressive, or at least it is impressive to see that. I think he's, based on his showcase, he was hitting 95, 96 uh, from his bullpen session, so that's obviously optimistic for him, but there's too much, like, who knows if he's going to accept that qualifying offer, like you mentioned, Mark, or whatnot, and, um, you know, I, I see him as maybe somebody the Jays, like, look into, but... Again, we really don't have too much on it right now to kind of confirm or deny it at this point. So it makes sense if they do go down that road. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, make him an offer or, you know, if he's going to heavily consider the Jays. But I do expect them to kind of somewhat be in on it. And I think a lot of teams will be um, also for that. So, <clears throat> I mean, for Justin Verlander, who came uh, who comes back this year too, I mean, he could easily go back to the Astros. So we will see what happens with that. But again, I'm not taking too much out of this either. It's just um, something obviously is pretty automatic in terms of the Jays and, you know, a lot of other teams going to these showcases. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But uh, I do think he is likely to reject the qualifying offer and he's probably going to test free agency. So we'll see, too, uh, what teams kick tires on him.
2: Well, actually, one thing you got to consider, he is an older guy and he's somebody that, I mean, he's won a World Series, but you got to think maybe if the Blue Jays pursue him, he's saying, okay, I've only got... I think I saw something saying he wanted to play till he was like forty five or something. But soon, like he's getting older, and maybe he's saying, okay, maybe this is my last contract. Might as well go to a contender or a team that's looking like it's going to contend. So,
0: no, I, I put him. I, I think, I think he's I'm putting money one hundred percent above
2: yeah.
1: winning.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't. know. I think he's a dark horse for the team to 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 sign.
1: Whoa! Oh, I don't. Jacob so. calling it. I like that. I don't see it happening.
0: It's not the type of deal they have pursued in the past. I don't think they're going to pursue it in the future. And Justin Verlander, he's, what, 37, 38? I know he wants to pitch until he's 100 years old, but at some point, father time catches up with you and it's not going to happen. <laughs> and he's going to be looking for a big deal. He's going to be looking for a three- or four-year deal to finish off his career. I don't think the Blue Jays are in the market to give that to a guy who's... Already at retirement age, in my mind. No knock against Verlander. I like him, but not looking good. Um, Let's talk about Steven Matz. Jacob, you brought up Steven Matz. This is another thing that happened this week with the Blue Jays. Um, We learned shortly after we recorded our last podcast that the Blue Jays were declining to offer Steven Matz a qualifying offer. But they did make a multi-year offer to Steven Matz before he hit free agency. Steven Matz rejected that multi-year offer and instead decided to test free agency. Whatever you think about the Blue Jays offering that deal, I just have to say, I know this is this comes up every year and people get upset when players don't re-sign with the team and take the hometown get discount, but I think it's just ridiculous that people are upset with Steven Matz not accepting this mystery multi-year deal when we have no idea what the terms were no idea how much it was for no idea what the blue jays were asking it was steven Matz. we have no idea what's happening and people are lambasting steven Matz for not accepting this deal i just think it's stupid and it's it's like say you're working a job that pays you 60k a year you get offered a job or you have the potential to hit the free agent market essentially and get offered a job that pays you 120,000 dollars a year which are you going to take? Are you going to keep the door open to get that 120 k Or are you just going to take the guaranteed 60 k and walk? No, you're going to test the market. You're going to see if you can get that 120 k So I don't know why people are mad at Steven Matz for trying to test the free agent market, trying to get that big payday and earn what he's worth on the free agent market. And I also think an added element of ridiculousness to this is the fact that we have no idea how long this deal was for, how much the Blue Jays were asking, and people are still criticizing Stephen Matz for not taking the hometown discount. So, I don't really care, honestly, that Stephen Matz rejected it. I don't really care about the details of the deal. I don't care about that. I'm just very mad that people are upset with Stephen Matz for not accepting this mystery deal.
2: Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is and I I know maybe this won't play as big of a factor, but you mentioned hometown discount. He's not even from here, and I know I know that also refers to the team that he's that he previously played for, but. the way I view it is personally I don't see a lot of people taking hometown discounts unless it's you're coming to play for your team now obviously that could be that maybe that argument doesn't hold much substance but I don't see Steven Matz not coming back or rejecting these offers as a bad thing and the thing is is I mentioned a couple minutes ago that I'm up I was confused as to why he didn't accept the offer but we don't even know first of all the terms and second of all I can be confused all I want, but I can't be mad. Like, I can be upset that the team doesn't have him, but I can't be mad at Steven Matz for doing it. Like, it, it's it's not my money, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just... The thing is, is I see a lot of people getting angry, and it's like, this happens literally every offseason within every single sport. I don't know why this is the most shocking thing that a player didn't re-sign with the team or rejected an offer. Like, it's it's how it goes. I mean, it, it's probably going to happen with a lot of guys this offseason, you know? I mean, it could happen with Simeon, it could happen with Ray, like it, it it just this is how sports works. You you offer guys deals, sometimes they take them, sometimes they don't. I know there's a lot of variables and a lot of, you know, different things that go on, but I to, to the people that are legitimately angry at a guy for not accepting an offer, that first of all, they don't even know about. They, they don't know the details of, but just in general like why are you why are you like ostracizing this guy for not accepting a deal like, it just to me it doesn't make a lot of sense you can be upset that he's not on your team but to just to bash the guy on on social media it's like I might as well not even watch sports cuz that that this happens every offseason honestly and you can be upset but it's just it's how sports works and i don't want to keep repeating myself but it's just it seems like a very stupid thing honestly to just harass somebody for doing what most people probably in that situation would do
1: yeah like i had a comment on one of my pictures saying he doesn't want us we don't want him see a bun, like (laughs) see things like that and then people saying he's not that good either well first of all you know not everyone has to be pitching with an era of two every year to be considered good he is a solid four to five starter on a good team. And I think everyone knows that. And I think he knows that. So he's not acting like he's an ace or whatnot. And he wants to break the bank here. But I mean, if we came, if we've come so close to this point uh, before he was obviously free to sign with anybody or discuss with anybody, you know, why is he going to accept that deal? Unless it's a complete severe overpay. We don't know the details like you mentioned, but the one thing that we can all kind of confirm or have common sense here is that it wasn't exactly an offer where he was going to, you know, his eyes were going to open up and say, oh, I'm taking that in our heartbeat. It was probably an average offer. I'm not saying it was a low ball, but I'm saying he probably got, you know, market value. And if that's the case, why not test the market? He's earned that right. He had a bounce back year after his 2020 season. And, um, you know, I that's the right that any free agent has. And that goes for Marcus Sumi and that goes for Robbie Ray and that goes for everybody else. So it doesn't surprise me, but yeah, like, I don't agree with it either. And I, I, I don't know why um, it's just, a constant thing every year. Like you'd figure people would kind of understand the message or, and this goes through, through all sports. I just don't understand what the confusion is here in terms of, bashing him for wanting to test the market and for his own personal benefit. And, and it's his own right. So, I mean, the Jays are obviously interested. We know that they've been talking to him. And he was at the um, the GM meetings. Sorry, I said the winter meetings earlier. It was the GM meetings he was at. So he's talking to a lot of teams. And um, he's he's another one with a strong market, and rightfully so. But the one thing I do have and the one rule kind of that I would have if I'm the Jays, and this goes through the other guys as well. But, you know, I know Marcus Seaman uh, kind of prefers the West Coast. But anyways, it goes through all of them if you're going to lose them to free agency, you better lose them to a California team. He, if Steven Matz, Robbie Ray, especially those two, they cannot be in the division. And that's the one thing that I have a problem with. If they do go, the Jays have to do everything they can to make sure that they don't go to within, within the division. So if Steven Matz wants to be Steven Matz in LA, or if he wants to go to Detroit, or if he wants to go to St. Louis, it sucks. But at the end of the day, it's not going to hurt you as much as it would be if he decides to, oh, I'm going to go to the Boston Red Sox and we get to play you, you know, X amount of times a year and we know that it's multiple times. So that's why I'm a little concerned about that because I do know that the Red Sox are in the market for a lot of starting pitching and they are looking at starting pitching. And I think the Red Sox are actually a team that's already linked to Stephen Matt. So I'm hoping with anything or just crossing my fingers, he goes somewhere else if he is going to leave. And if he comes back, it would be great. He'd be great at the back end of the rotation. So I do hope Steven Matz is back as well. And a lot of people were saying at the beginning of the, the, of the offseason was the Jay should actually prioritize Steven Matz first uh, before moving on to people like Simeon Array. And obviously that wasn't the case. They didn't reach an agreement. They didn't give him a qualifying offer. So it's fair game at this point. And um, for Steven Matz, he's going to get paid, and rightfully so. But again... Just stay away from the AL East, please. That's all I ask. Yeah. I don't know how
0: much the Blue Jays can do to encourage that, to make sure he doesn't sign an AL East. But if he does, or if any of these guys that the Blue Jays are losing do sign an AL East, it's going to be pretty rough. Um, but yeah, on the other side of things, like not just people criticizing Steven Matz for not taking that deal, but people criticizing the Blue Jays for not paying Steven Matz as much as he wants to stay in Toronto. And again, it's the same criticism. You can get offers on the free agent market. You can get pitchers on the free agent and trade market that are better bang for your buck than you could get from overpaying Steven Matz before free agency even begins. Like, don't expect the Blue Jays to drop everything and pay Steven Matz exactly what he wants before they even see what the market has to offer. So, both sides of this... I don't get why people are upset. This happens every year. The Blue Jays are going to make an offer because they're doing due diligence and they want Steven Matz back. They're not going to overpay for him because they think they can get a good deal on the free agent market. And Steven Matz isn't going to take an underpay because he wants to test the free agent market. It's just what happens every year. I don't know why people are upset about it. I don't know why we get upset about it every year when we hear people saying these things because it's like clockwork that it happens. But unfortunately, here we are. And we are the first week into the offseason and we're already upset. But it was bound to happen one of these days. Um, I guess the one more thing we have to talk about in terms of the offseason before we get to some of the awards that have been handed out to Blue Jays players and will be handed out over the next week to Blue Jays is the Blue Jays' interest in Andrew Heaney. And, of course, this is not really important now because Andrew Heaney already signed a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. But a lot of teams were looking at Heaney as a Robbie Ray type player who could bounce back in the way Robbie Ray did after his 2020 season moving into 2021 because Andrew Heaney had very similar strikeout rates. Obviously the numbers on the face of it are bad. His ERA is up in the fives for 2021, I believe, although I can get the exact number 5.83 and a 1.319 whip in 30 games and 23 starts for the Angels and the Yankees in 2021. So not good numbers on the face of it for Heaney, but people see his high strikeout rate and see the potential to, if you limit that bad luck, if you limit the walks, if you get the control down, you might be able to turn him into a Robbie Ray 2.0 type pitcher. So that was where the Blue Jays' interest in him was, and that's why a lot of teams showed interest in him early on, and the deal he signed... Also ends up being very similar to what Robbie Ray signed last year. And the timing of the deal is very similar with him being the first guy off the market in free agency. So, obviously we don't we, we can't talk about Heaney himself. But I think we can take the Blue Jays' approach to Heaney and the fact that they were interested in him. And learn a little bit about the Blue Jays' potential approach for this offseason. So, at least from this, so far it looks like they're taking a very similar approach to what they did last offseason in looking for someone who's a bounce-back candidate, looking for someone who can offer that extra value for low money, that high-risk, or excuse me, low-risk, high-reward deal, um, in addition to the big-letter names that they're probably going to be in on when it comes to Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Robbie Ray, those type of guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I think, personally, I don't know how low risk deal or how many low risk deals or how low the risks are going to be for the Blue Jays this offseason just because like the previous two offseasons and really since this uh, Shapiro and Atkins have taken over they haven't really been fully competitive except for I mean 2016 and now they're looking to be competitive whereas now I think if you go out and you sign a big name guy I mean yeah you can go for your bounce back guys as well that's definitely a good option but if you can go and you can get a Blockbuster type signing or trade? Why not? I mean, you're you're at the point now where you I I don't know why I've had this thought, but every pretty much whenever I think about the Blue Jays, I think that man, like I genuinely think that they are a dark horse for the World Series, and I know I'm a fan, so obviously I'm going to be biased. But my point, like I I I wouldn't be thinking about this as strongly if the team wasn't realistically good enough, and I think that they are, and so uh, if your management. Probably makes a lot of sense to go out and get one of those big name guys. So it was weird. I mean, Andrew Heaney it was—it was like I think it was like a late night deal too, where he just out of nowhere signed, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, the you know the hot stove has started and whatever." Even though the hot stove has probably not even started boiling yet, but it's you know at at this point, like it, the off season has been kind of slow, but I think once it once it kicks into full gear you'll probably see what we saw last off season where it was like all right uh it's it's um you know signing signing, signing, we're interested in this guy, blah blah blah, like it's basically the blue jays are they're they're going they're about to go crazy, i think this off season with probably some deals that we haven't seen yet,
1: yeah, this Andrew Heaney deal um I think when you look at it too, but even before or even obviously a lot more after the fact that he did sign is it did have a potential Jay, it, like it just seemed like a Jay's move and a Jay's move that they would definitely have explored to make, just because obviously there's the comparisons like Robbie Ray or you know somebody who struggled. If he's gonna come here on a one year deal, work with Pete Walker, potentially turn his career around or t- turn around his numbers because. We do know that it was a disaster for him in two thousand and twenty one and especially uh when he went to the Yankees uh, throughout the year. I think it was even worse. I think he an ERA of seven thirty two uh with the Yankees, and that was in twelve games, and obviously the Jays saw him a lot too. So we saw a lot of Andrew Heaney last year and um it was just kind of a lost season for him. So he gets a bounce back kind of, you know, opportunity here with the Dodgers and yeah, it did seem like a Jays move, but unfortunately it just didn't we didn't get a lot of traction on it because obviously he signed very quickly and um they kind of Came, I guess I don't know how many people expected him to sign as soon as he did, and that's why you know we didn't really get a lot of opportunity to talk about him. I think kind of in between our last recording date and today is kind of when the like the sweepstakes started and ended. Like I don't even think we had a chance to talk about him last week. So that's pretty much how quickly it went, or how fast it went. And if we did, it was very brief, and we didn't get to talk about him pretty much at all. So for Andrew Heaney, that did make sense, but um, you know the 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 market's going to be interesting. Uh, throughout pretty much the winter, a lot of teams uh, need starting pitching. And I mean a lot. And that obviously impacts Robbie Ray and uh, so many other people. So there's going to be a lot of people getting paid, regardless if you think it's an overpay or if, um, you know, the term or whatnot, there's going to be a lot of things where teams are desperate to add starting pitching. And that's where I wonder, for somebody like Robbie Ray is, you know, how much are the Jays willing to go to overpay for somebody like Robbie Ray to come back? Because an example is the Angels who are potentially going to have to, or, you know, an angels out of a lot of teams who are going to overpay and try and bring people to obviously uh, bolster the rotation. And the Jays aren't exactly in need as starting pitching as much as those other teams, as much as you're losing a Cy Young award winner. It's crazy to say, but the depth they have is remarkable. And the rotation lined up for next year is a good start. And obviously you want to save that money too and try and extend somebody like Barrio. So that's the one question I have and the uncertainty that comes with the starting pitching and Andrew Heaney another example, obviously, because, the Jays could have definitely looked to bring him in and potentially have him near the back end of the rotation as well, maybe kind of a a Stephen Matz type of role near the back end of the rotation. So that's where I kind of look at it from that point. And um, you know, the fact that he did take eight years or sorry, eight million uh, for one year with the Dodgers, it doesn't really surprise me as much. It just felt like a deal where he was going to take a one year. A chance, no matter who you know, just to the team who gave him the most money, and he gets a chance to bounce back. So, good luck to him. And um, you know, after the 2021 summer he had with the, the Yankees, he had a lot of work to do. So, definitely would have been a kind of a what if scenario if Pete Walker got to work with him. But uh, it just proves throughout the rest of the star the the market, the starting pitching is in very high demand this winter. All
0: right, let's wrap up today's podcast by talking about the awards for the Blue Jays. It's award season and I don't know, maybe this is a controversial opinion but I hate awards season every year I think I don't like it just because the Blue Jays aren't involved that much but this year it seems like every award is going to the Blue Jays and I'm still not excited about it It's I don't live for the awards I live for the actual baseball that's being played but um, yeah, the Blue Jays are getting a lot of awards um, Vladimir Rowe Jr. wins the AL Hank Aaron award winner given to the best offensive player in the league um, three silver sluggers on the Blue Jays, that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon, and Teoscar Hernandez. Two MVP finalists, Marcus Simeon and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., probably going to end up third and second, respectively. Um, Jacob's shaking his head, but you know it's true, Shohei Ohtani's going to win MVP. And then one Cy Young finalist, of course, that's Robbie Ray. Um, I don't know. It's, it's expected. We, all these awards are predictable. The only thing that's unpredictable is the fact that Lourdes Goriel Jr. was a finalist for the Gold Glove Award. And we know he didn't win it. We know Marcus Simeon won at second base. Jose Brios also missed out at uh, the pitcher position. But otherwise, everything is predictable. It's exactly what we saw on the field. And I don't know if you guys get excited about this, but I'm just kind of waiting for it to be over.
2: See, I'm just excited because it's kind of a bragging right type situation where you talk to guys of that are fans of other teams you're like yeah well we got the but
0: right now I don't think it is for the Blue Jays because they didn't make the playoffs
2: yeah well that's what I was gonna say it's like to me the only like it's nice to have all these things but the only trophy I want is that World Series trophy and I say I want but like as a as a fan that's the the to me that's the biggest thing and so you know it's nice to have all these things and I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing on Twitter and really just all throughout social media is everyone saying this was probably this 2021 Blue Jays was probably the best team in recent memory, or maybe in major league semi-recent history to not make the playoffs because you have all these amazing players. Like, I, I mean, the, the Otani vs. Guerrero debate is, it is what it is. Uh, point is, is you have somebody that's MVP type. You have Cy Young worthy pitchers. You have... Gold Gloves. You have short, uh, uh, some of the best offensive players. Man, how did this team not make the playoffs? That that's just the the biggest thing that I'm seeing as all these awards go out. But it doesn't matter. Season's over. We can crinkle that one up, throw it out. You know, at this point, like the good thing is, is most of these guys are going to be back next season, and so I think. I mean, as the off season goes, I think we'll you know we'll see who the Blue Jays can add, but. If you can go into twenty twenty two with MVPs and Cy Youngs and all these amazing players, all you need is is to have these guys from day one. Like we unfortunately didn't didn't see this season, so next season will be a very interesting one. And I think that's the biggest thing that I'm kind of taking away from these awards, other than it's Guerrero, not not Otani. And I'll I'll leave with that.
1: You will not let this go, man. And uh, I give you credit for it. I don't know if you know Mark wants to let you have the floor <laughs> in a sec too to explain yourself, or I don't even know if you have or not. I just I hear about it and I wonder how you're still going with this. I just think it's over, and I think we've known this for a long time, regardless if you agree with it or not. But yeah, like with with the awards, like I think just the thing to take away from it, and it's pretty much what you guys, or especially what you said, Jacob, and you know I'm reading Sid Sixero's tweet here. It says, "Still trying to figure out how the Jays with two MVP finalists and a Cy Young favorite." Did not make the playoffs. And, um, you know, I'm, we're not going to talk about each individual player's awards because I think we've done that so many times throughout the year and everyone knows the type of players that they were. And we kind of expected all this to happen. But yeah, I mean, good for them for the awards. And um, yes, Jacob, I know you want to restructure the playoffs as well. So there's a lot that Jacob has on his mind that he won't let go. But I guess the, the one question I have for you guys um, before you wrap it up, and we talked about it like way at the beginning of the podcast, but. At one point, and this is this this question I have is also because of what Mark said, at what point in like what month in 2022 are we going to begin the Gabriel Morano watch? I want to know when that segment is starting because we need to get ahead of this this time because the Alec Manoa when we kind of started late and we didn't get a lot of time to do it. But I really hope that we start this earlier next season and have this go on throughout the uh, the, the early months of the season. Do we want to start it right now?
0: Uh, we could i i mean better, the better than jacob Ran- yet, it's, but- it's
1: it's it's better than jacob branding about the cba the playoffs and the mvp so yes <laughs> if it means
0: jacob doesn't say anything about uh mvp <laughs> or the world series going to the blue jays or whatever then yes let's start it right now i'll put it um may may 22nd
2: oh i was thinking 2022 okay earlier. earlier i was, I was well because here's the thing, I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't remember the date that you have to pass to not well, play technically another, a full year. Another thing like is that the 15th. CBA.
0: The CBA is up, so that's probably mm-hmm. going to change yeah. a lot. So I don't know what that's looking like. Okay, uh, yeah. But I still, so I, gonna... I still think the Blue Jays want to have him get a couple at bats in AAA, which the season starts at the start of May, to see what they got to make sure they're solid in their decision to bring him up. So May 22nd is where I'm putting it.
2: Okay, yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. I was thinking like mid-April, but uh, yeah, I'll put it at, I'll, I'll put it at probably May 30th and give him, you know, maybe a month or whatever of playing time and then we'll see. I don't think it's very likely that he comes up probably before the trade deadline. I mean, it it could, but I think we'll probably see him uh, towards the second half of the season and depending on how the roster expansions work during basically like in September, we might see him.
1: I don't know if you guys have access to it, but I'm looking at the 2022 schedule as we speak, and I will highlight, it's going to be a home game, I think he's going to make his debut, I don't know if he's going to make his debut against the Yankees, but I will say June 15th against Brandon Hyde's Baltimore Orioles, that is my prediction. Okay, the game that I
0: predicted is the last game of a home series against Cincinnati, so uh, we'll see, maybe, I don't know it's uh we're like six mu- what eight months out at this point so yeah it's exciting um man. anyways what a way to end the podcast and we avoided jake ranting more about Shohei otani so um so, yeah we'll I wrap will... it up there nope no i was gonna say i'm gonna Thank stop you... I,
2: no more guerrero no more world series i will never stop talking about how the playoffs need to be restructured though therefore well at least for this episode I'm i'm done talking about it but mark you can conclude
0: you're going to okay. bring up the playoff or the World Series. The, then don't worry. The day the new CBA is signed <laughs> and the playoffs are restructured is going to be the best day in Jacob's life. Um, I will cry tears of joy. We will wrap this episode up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to our ramblings about the offseason so far. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, which after this episode, I don't know, maybe it's questionable, but you can go support us on <laughs> patreon.com slash section 138 pod. You can give us, A rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Section138Pod. And then, as always, you can find our episodes on YouTube. If you listen to our episodes, Um, if you watch our episodes on YouTube, you can listen to them wherever you find podcasts. All right. We'll be back next week with hopefully some more off-season banter and gossip to talk about. And check it out.